Hi, welcome to Off The Fence. It's 2018, so we're back. I'm James Fox. Alex Maskell is also here next to me. He is here once again. Ah! <laughs> that is the noise he makes when you see something on his phone that makes him go, the Democrats. Twitter has just destroyed my brain. They just, they uploaded this fucking thing. It's, it's literally just, it, it's a meme that they tried to make uh, of, about like, how Donald Trump and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell don't actually like one another very much. And it's it's just it's it's supposed to be like the Mean Girls cover with just some quotes on the back of them being catty at one another. Really? And it's like anything other than policy <laughs> they will go for. Anyway, if you've not heard of us before, uh, we're off the fence. We're on soundcloudcom slash off the fence, Twitter at off the fence talk. What have we got coming up? Well, uh, we're going to be talking about the reshuffle that's happened today or hasn't happened. If you want, uh, Theresa May moving around on their top team. Who's going to be in charge of all the important jobs and positions that run the country? We're talking Spoiler about Spoiler award, the answer is Tory scum. Yeah. <laughs> Since we've been away, it's been Christmas, it's been New Year. And obviously, something that is faster than you know the days that go by us are the amount of Trump tweets that come out that are astounding. He tweets a lot of incredibly dumb things, yes. Yeah. He's, a, ve- he's he, a very stupid man with a dying brain. I mean, he tweets a lot of incredibly dumb things for someone who's a very stable genius. Of course. So One of one of the world's <laughs> foremost geniuses. Yeah. He did actually tweet this, that he's a, quote, very stable genius. Which is a, a thing that I, very stable geniuses are famous for saying about themselves. <laughs> exactly. It's just the... The construction of those three words, like I just, I just love the fact that you can put stable and genius together and feel like those two things need to be said next to each other. Like, yeah, yeah. like a genius ever underlines how stable he is. He like, describes himself as quote like very smart. Exactly. I was going to come on like to that. Like he's a fucking valley girl. The thing is, he did that before, right? This is, he he said ages ago there was that really famous clip in an interview, and he's like, I'm like a really smart guy, man. And <laughs> do you think that, he's doing an irony? Yeah, he's doing an irony. I don't know. Well, that was an actual interview. That was like a thing in person. But this was in a tweet. He wrote down the word "like" in the middle yeah. of like. <laughs> That's could, just like, how he phrases that. This yeah, is, unbelievable. But it's some next level. The shit. only other explanation is that he was dictating to someone. And, that, and they, they, why did they not take like out? That's also <laughs> possible. I think at one of these points, we are just going to see one of them end with the words send tweet, like it's left irony tweet. Oh dear. And there was also the other tweet um, about his button being bigger than his other friend's button. Oh yeah, Kim Jong. Uh, yeah. Just, I love that he's so dumb because it really drives home, like it, it really drives home just how fucked up the system is. That it continues to function, continues to like pry resources away from the poorest and most vulnerable people in American society, even when it's being piloted by a guy with obvious brain death. Yeah. Another thing that happened since we've been away is the the notes, the editorial notes for Milo Yiannopoulos' book. Ah, uh, yes. Is it Simon and Schuster's the publisher? Is that right? The former publisher. This is newly relevant because we just found out as we came on, and I can't tell you how <laughs> delighted I am about this. I'm so excited, you guys. Fascist talking point guy Milo Yiannopoulos uh, is going to be representing himself <laughs> in his court case against Simon and Schuster. I'm so excited. Basically, uh, Simon and Schuster convinced convinced the court that Milo Yiannopoulos didn't have to see uh, the evidence that they were presenting against him, and this was fair enough because he's not the one presenting the evidence. His lawyers are. His lawyer can see that stuff. Keeping it private can be fine, considering that Milo Yiannopoulos has a history of, like, sending crowds of people against targets of hate of his. And, and ju- just to clarify, Simon & Schuster is the original publisher that dropped, 
dropped his book deal after what? Simon and Schuster were going to um, uh, were going to publish his book Dangerous, which he was he had been putting together for ages. It was supposed to be his big breakthrough into the mainstream. Uh, Simon and Schuster were happy to print his thing under one of their conservative imprints, but he then got kind of completely kicked out just before uh, an appearance at the Republican National Convention. Uh, where basically it came out a bunch of times that he had talked very openly about and downplayed uh, essentially pedophilic relationships. Yeah. Uh, particularly as being a common and potentially harmless thing in the gay community specifically, is how he put it. And this was the thing that finally uh, like turned the conservative world against him. And uh, you know, he got kicked out of Breitbart, he lost his book, it was... Like, as someone who's wanted to see that fascist piece of shit kicked out for, like, many, many other things he said before that, it was quite satisfying, and we actually, one of the, one of the great, uh, one of the great unaired episodes of this show that you guys will probably never hear, because it was still technically the demo episode, was us talking about the rise and fall of this utter creep. <laughs> uh, it's worth saying, you know, recently the notes came out on, you know, the, yes. the editorial notes of... The book. Who's playing yes. the yeah. He's he was suing his um he was suing Simon and Schuster for breach of contract. Even though they have the ability to drop out of this at any time if they feel that he or the book were not up to their standards, and so he's uh, suing them for not releasing his book for ten million dollars. And Simon and Schuster have submitted a full copy of an early manuscript for the book uh, into evidence with editor's notes. Uh, supposedly he had a lot of trouble selling the proposal for the book before Simon Schuster took him on and you can see why from some of the notes that are on this even though like I say this is from its conservative imprint so they're ideologically inclined to put this in but um, some amazing ones have come up with most specifically by Sarah May uh, Will Summers whose right Richter newsletter by the way is absolutely worth signing up to if you want a guy whose entire job is to trawl through right-wing media and message boards and keep the rest of us like up to date as to what insane things they're up to. Uh, it's a great little resource. Uh, but him and uh, Sarah May, Will Summers, Emma Stein, and also Sean Baby, the great internet writer of several decades. Um, and some of the notes in this are just incredible. Like uh, the editor actually crosses out entire sections. Uh, where Milo is just describing his beauty routine in essentially the exact same tone that Patrick Bateman does in American Psycho. Uh, he crosses out an entire chapter on uh, what Milo thinks about ugly people. Uh, a whole section about how abortion is bad because, quote, so many of those abortions could have been, quote, installed in my Nubian harem in 16 or 17 years' time. Which, in light of some of his comments about you know, questionable age gaps, one might say, certainly is was very prophetic. Uh, he also takes out a line, in fact, I increasingly find that my younger fans are barely pushing 15. Which, that, like, I don't know why someone would think that that was a point of praise. Like, fucking dumbass teenage boys now make up the majority of his audience. Like, no one really wants to see their audience's age dropping. Uh, in a position of being like a public intellectual. That's not a good sign. Uh, but the editor also... One one thing that's kind of fascinating is beyond his kind of needless crudeness, uh, his editor seems very, very taken aback by some of the like inflections of a position that exist in the margins of what he's saying. Uh, like, for instance, he seems um, weirded out by wording at one point quote makes it sound as if he's okay with 
Richard Spencer's stated goal of peaceful ethnic cleansing, uh, which he is, they hang, they hang out, they're, they're friends, that's a thing. Um, and in fact, a, a lot of people were saying, like, you guys, you're sticking up, you're praising this editor, but his job was to make fascism palatable. No, his job was to take a, like, an up-and-coming conservative star and get a book out of him. And discovering that this guy is a fascist was probably just as much of a shock to this uh, editor as it would be to anyone else. Like, I'd imagine that this guy didn't really know what Milo was about and the kind of circles he swam in ahead of time. And it's, it's obviously, it's come out relatively recently through a big expose in Breitbart that... Uh, Milo does have specific fascist ties and specifically solicited content and leads and coordination with the hard, hard fascist right, uh, including uh, people who work for like American Renaissance uh, and uh, just a, a bunch of other really nasty characters. That, like I say, there was a really great Breitbart expose back there. But there was also in this uh, in this manuscript that has now gone out and is publicly available for anyone to take a look at some incredible like lines which just put out there what a bad writer he is he's he's obviously a bad rhetorician because he's he's entirely preaching to a converted audience which like we're not really one to talk there i guess but um <laughs> like his rhetoric is obviously uh, appalling but there's just incredible like just notes in here that you don't as someone who has had a book published these are not the kind of notes you'd not typically see from an editor. Things like, this is definitely not the place for more of your narcissism. Or this entire paragraph on the Pizzagate spirit cooking claims, which is just the funniest thing. This entire paragraph is just repeating fake news. There was no blood, no semen, and there was no Satanism. Delete. Yeah, it's, it's just incredible stuff. Just about what a... Just a weird, unpleasant, petty narcissistic guy this is. Uh, but Will Summer actually notes that Milo's suggestions and contributions are even more pathetic. He suggests uh, improving the book by adding a, quote, superhero's origin story, adding, quote, letters from people I fat-shamed telling me how I changed their lives, uh, a, quote, relationship I had with a Muslim guy, and giving each chapter a little tableau, each designed to give a flavor of the Milo experience and tips on how to be more like me. He also requests an additional few days to make, quote, the case for me as a cultural icon in my own right, as well as America's most relevant cultural and political critic. <laughs> he's so up himself as well. He's, he's astonishingly narcissistic, but we kind of knew that already. But yeah, what a fucking creep. And it's going to be hilarious to see him, like, represent himself in public Dylan Roof style, yeah, I mean, maybe. If there was ever a case for cameras in court to be able to view that, you know, there is one right there. Because oh, that's going to be... What I wouldn't give for a live stream. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, onto this cabinet reshuffle from Theresa May. Uh, her top team, uh, not just the cabinet, obviously, as well, but the whole government, the ministerial positions in general, she was going to move around. And this follows, obviously, Michael Fallon resigning due to the kind of Westminster sex scandal that happened last year. Pretty Patel resigning after the scandal of her going and meeting Netanyahu, the Israeli PM, you know, just literally just going and doing it on her own behalf. All really shady. So she resigned because of that. And obviously Damien Green resigned as well. Due was, to, yeah, wasn't that also a sex scandal? It was as well. That was it's related funny that. that. Uh, the pornography thing on his computer. And yes. obviously he's got the history of the stuff with um, various people of, of not being quite appropriate around women. So that's, that's kind of the background up to now. 
And the reason why he wasn't immediately replaced, just like Michael Fallon and Priti Patel were, was because uh, it was this wanted to wait. Let's just wait until Christmas <laughs> and we'll do a proper reshuffle and we'll move everything around. So we're expecting like a big, you know, move around here. We've had the NHS winter crisis as well. So people were thinking, oh, is Jeremy Hunt going to be moved after uh, such a long stint as health secretary? And it's not like he's covered himself in glory throughout that. Process. Exactly. So, you know, we're expecting big changes from here, from Theresa May, apparently bringing more women in. You know, women and people of uh, black and Asian uh, ethnic minority to try and, you know, give a, a more modern, a more forward thinking and a more, you know, fresh yeah. conservative government, you know, and, and a cabinet that looks more representative of the United Kingdom. So we're expecting that. What happens? Well, it's barely a reshuffle. And it's what I've seen it described as the reshambles. Uh, there was one person online I also described it as Knight of the Long Plastic Forks. Air horn noises. Yeah, all that. And uh, yeah, not really much going on. It's, it's shown her, rather than making her look strong by moving people around and sacking who needs to be sacked, it's just made her look weak because she's not been able to sack any of the people. For example, Boris Johnson, who has... Yeah, he's if, been if, a fucking thorn in her side if for anyone's, months. If anyone's earned a, a degree in sack me now studies, then it's definitely Boris Johnson because over the past six, seven months, it's almost on like a fortnightly basis. He puts his foot in it, does something... Um, that would at any other time get. not to mention antagonizing her and threatening her power base specifically yes. yeah exactly so you know he he's still in place as foreign secretary and plenty of other people michael gove you know like that they're still in place they haven't been moved around and there's no real changes at the top the main people are still in their roles but what has happened well it started with first of all chris grayling announced as party chairman okay and this was interesting because people are like oh okay he's currently the transport secretary He's being moved to party chairman. At least that's what CCHQ tweeted out. Before 27 seconds later, deleting that tweet. <laughs> so he was technically party chairman for 27 seconds, and that should be added to his Wikipedia page now. Um, I think it was actually between 10 and 35 seconds, it says on his Wikipedia page. But yeah. That's clearly, a glorious reign. Yeah, clearly there's, I mean, it's not, uh, you know, that, that was deleted and it turns out he's not party chairman. And obviously, people might say oh huge incompetence from Theresa May there and it's not really directly her and it doesn't really indicate you know widespread incompetence or anything yeah. like that of a government I mean, this so kind of thing happens all the time like uh, the Blair Brown government once yeah. overlooked someone for a position yeah. just because the post-it note with their name fell on the floor and no one noticed and until there's the was over yeah there's loads of examples of the wrong minister being called up because they've got the same surname and ending up having to give them the job because they felt bad for them. <laughs> I think uh, Harrod Wilson did that, apparently, um, with two two ministers uh, with the surname Brown or something like that. Um, but anyway, Chris Grayling, not party chairman of the Conservative Party. Um, uh, I wanted a Conservative Party chairman who looks like like a football hooligan's face stretched over Fraser's skull. <laughs> but like I said, it doesn't represent kind of widespread incompetence, but it, what it does show is kind of a... Not really a very organised, at least some signing off kind of, you know, protocol of like, do we know this is the thing we need to put out? You know, like clearly there was miscommunication there of some sort. This thing does usually happen when we have people offered jobs in a cabinet reshuffle and they decline them, which we're going to come to. So it's a bit messy, but whatever. It's not like, oh, this government's so incompetent because of this. It's more just... It's incompetent also this. The new party chairman finally announced as Brandon Lewis, who is the previous immigration minister. Is party chairman a prestigious role? 
Um, well, it basically has a, a role in uh, running the the uh, conference, running the party outside of obviously Theresa May. Okay, so they're basically an event organizer. That doesn't yeah. sound like a compliment. <laughs> well, you know, there's lots of rules for the party as well. Um, but it, you know, obviously Theresa May, the Prime Minister, or Jeremy Corbyn are busy running their parliamentary parties yeah. and running all of that going on, and you know, doing politics in Westminster as well, and you know, running the country in the case of Theresa May. So. This what, is, what more to the Conservative Party is there than yeah, the Parliamentary yeah. Party? Aren't they down to like 70,000 people? This is another story which Just we'll, we the, should discuss. Yeah, the, the, their fucking uh, like Conservative constituency party things that were basically where toffs would go to find their like repulsive future spouses... Like, those are all dying on their asses. No one goes to those anymore because they're just a fucking drag. Like, who would want to go hang out with those people? Like, the the party doesn't exist as a broader social movement. It's now just the, like, political mechanism of capital. Yeah. He is... Uh, Brandon Lewis is a new party chairman, uh, previously immigration minister, and his number two when he was immigration minister, I believe, was James Cleverley. Or he's got close ties to James Cleverley anyway, so he's gone in as deputy chair of the party so that, that's happened another one that was elevated to um, a party chairman sort of position is vice chair of the conservatives for women is Maria Caulfield you know who Maria Caulfield is she's an MP for Lewis not far from where we're recording this episode she is being quite a big sort of Brexit figure as well she's on the Brexit committee and uh, she's also been pretty notable in the past of opposing bills aimed to decriminalise abortion she's been quite out she's probably the only kind of like pro-lifer out there and it's not a UK thing really it's, not it's, really but she has that particular Catholic psychosis that you also see with people like Reese Mogg didn't she yeah. completely lose her mind at protesters who dressed up as nuns and started seeing how do you solve a problem like yeah because <laughs> she thought that they were mocking her for a Catholic faith I mean I'll mock her for a Catholic faith it's really funny but like I don't think that's what those people were doing yeah it, that, that was a, a funny part of the election but she's been put on there and this is the type of thing she said um, when she was opposing those bills Last year, aimed to decriminalise abortion, she said, quote, more must be done to effectively combat the dangerous liberalisation of abortion. Oh, fuck Which off. hides under the premise of championing, championing women's rights. I mean, it, it's not a woman's right. It's a human right to bodily autonomy. For the same reason someone can't seize your organs and use them for organ transplants, Someone can't demand that you use your body to support a, tr- a, a fetus. Even yeah. if you accept that the fetus is a baby, that right still stands. Whether or not the fetus is a person is beside the point. Whatever dangerous liberalization she goes on, thinks is going on is besides the point. If you accept that people have bodily autonomy, abortion is... You can call it a necessary evil all you like, but it is a right that women should be able to have because it's a right that women have over their own bodies. Yeah. It's... It, it, it's- it's quite unusual to see in British politics someone going on for, like you said, Reese Mogg, and this lady is basically the only time it's come up, and it, I've, it, it's kind of a settled issue for the, the reasons you've outlined here. Yeah, and because there's less of a like a religious influence. Yeah, we don't have that like evangelical streak that yeah. Americans do. Anyway, Labour branded this appointment as uh, an appalling decision. Um, we've also got BPAS, which is the British Pregnancy Advice Service, saying it was incredibly disappointing. They tweeted out the. Um, comments that they gave to the guardian in this instance um saying it was incredibly disappointing and uh, nadine dorries who is another kind of like james cleverly nadine dorries tory mp pretty active on my like, twitter she's a bit sort of feisty on twitter and she quote tweeted bpass saying amazing we fight for women to be accepted in all shapes sizes ability and colors but if she holds a different point of view attack in capital letters that's not feminism that's bpass trolling 
what the fuck is she talking <laughs> about? I was like, what? Like, I got what she was saying up to that point, even though I incredibly disagree with her. Um, but she says that's not feminism. That's the British Pregnancy Advice Service trolling. Yeah, famous, famous <laughs> trolls. Yeah. This is the fucking problem with this kind of like very... Uh, liberal representation politics where there's certainly value to it but we can acknowledge like when a representative is like working against the interests of even a marginalized group that they represent that they are a part of we recognize this when it's like ben carson who wakes from dreaming about the secrets of the pyramids to <laughs> run the housing and urban development uh, I, i've forgotten department. about ben carson i've forgotten about that guy is he still like uh, asleep oh, or? He's, he's he's the head of housing and urban development oh, so presumably yes uh <laughs> he's like we 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 know that when like sarah palin or michelle bachman uh, over in america are women but they don't stand for the rights and interests that most women represent And indeed, that's a big reason why the Conservatives have been success have been very successful putting in place uh, female uh, MPs, because uh, female prime ministers. Because if they're representing, if they're representatives of the Conservative Party, there's only so much that they can actually affect a status quo that largely works against women, because that's not the political project of the you know, of the Conservative Party. Like a woman coming from the left might actually change something but a woman on the right can be expected to be a reliable reactionary who presumably won't move forward women's interests particularly and this is kind of the problem with that like very apolitical representation in isolation being its own thing and that's why that's something i think conservatives don't get that representation without like progressive politics is nonsense it doesn't exist in isolation it's it can't exist it doesn't actually bring yeah. about any change anyway so far we've just had changes in like the, the conservative party you yeah. know how it runs nothing really cabinety yeah okay well here we go let's go into actual cabinet stuff oh now. Yeah. yeah and it's, basically it's i'm gonna sum this up as just promoting buildings because that's basically all this is we've first got savage javid who is previously um secretary of state for communities and local government And he's now the Secretary of State for Housing, Communities and Local Government. So he's basically just had his department upgraded. Yeah. And there's no longer like a housing minister separately or something. Whatever. Anyway, basically, he's just had a title change. So we've had that. And there was also Jeremy Hunt, who a lot of people thought, and this is where it's sort of, this is the main story of the reshuffle. A lot of people thought Jeremy Hunt was going to be on the way out. Yeah, and because it, everyone hates him. Yeah. Everyone who works in the sector that he looks over hates his guts, but, thinks that all of his changes are terrible. But not necessarily on the way out of you know government completely but being shifted to a different position yeah and gonna get him as far away from health as possible you yeah. would assume but he remains as secretary for health dot 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 and social care oh hell yes <laughs> so he's still in there and there's going to be a new plaque but then that begs the question i think norman lamb who is previously social care minister uh, in the coalition government he's a lib dem uh he he pointed out i was you know social care Uh, minister and I was in the Department of Health so social care wasn't always part of the Department of Health anyway so now you're just putting it into Jeremy Hunt's you know title to make it seem like well, you know, we're, we're definitely taking it seriously if we put it in the title aren't we so it's all a bit you know on the surface I think yeah, we're taking social care very seriously yeah. we're going to give it to the person who gets the worst press out of anyone yeah. on our cabinet I mean the only thing it harks back to is before the Department of Health that department you know decades ago was called the Department of the health and social security and this is before there was a dwp sure. just basically health and dwp together and that was obviously much more centrally con controlled but um 
He went in and he was in there for like 90 minutes. Someone went in after him, which was Greg Clark. He, and he's um, Secretary of State for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, if you can say that, a bit of a mouthful. Um, he was in there waiting for Jeremy Hunt to finish for ages. And it turns out that Jeremy Hunt was being offered his job and the press all knew that Greg Clark was on the way out as well. So Jeremy Hunt was going to be moved to business and industry and energy. And um, he was basically saying, no, I don't want to do it. He said no so much that Theresa May actually went off and met loads of uh, Welsh Assembly colleagues uh, from the Conservative Party. And then had come back and like, you're still here. <laughs> and he, yeah, I don't want to do that role. So I he, guess he's very, very passionate about passionate very, about very destroying passionate. the NHS. Yeah, very, very passionate. Ever since writing that book where he wrote the foreword saying about privatisation. Um, he's still very passionate about it. So he's still keeping in that role. He doesn't want to be moved. And Greg Clark stays there. Greg Clark was basically sitting outside, apparently, um, just like, oh, well, I don't know what's going on. That's, that's his voice in my head. He speaks kind of like that. Sure. He basically just went in and was like, yeah, you're being kept on. Right, go. And he's like, <laughs> oh, I waited like a whole length of a football match for that, like <laughs> 90 whole minutes. But How fucking weak is she that a guy can just go, nah, I don't, I don't fancy that. Exactly. And this is what everyone said, right? This is what everyone said in the summer. She can't do a cabinet reshuffle because this will happen. Yeah. And it's happened. Yeah, just someone will say, oh, fuck off. Well, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going anywhere. But I saw other people pointing out that, you know, she can't negotiate with Jeremy Hunt. So how are we going to get on with the EU? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it doesn't bode well, does it? Uh, I mean, clearly Jeremy Hunt is a real force for negotiations. So, so, just so, so, far, so far, we've had someone who is party chairman for 27 seconds, someone who's pro-life put into the role of Conservative Party um, vice chair for women, Let's not say pro-life. They're not pro-life. They're anti. Yeah. They're anti-abortion rights. Definitely, definitely. We've had some buildings promoted and some new plaques ordered, apparently. And someone else joked that apparently they were in there for so long, ninety minutes, just because they were carving out the new plaques with like <laughs> chisels. So so far we've had that. But what's the only notable changes of these? And this is literally it. Okay. James Brokenshire resigned as Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. Which you think might be, oh, there's lots of politics going on in Northern Ireland at the moment. They haven't got an executive. All plays into Brexit lots. Yeah, What's the been DUP happening there? The DUP, obviously, are supposed to be the ones in partnership exactly. with the so there's conservative lots of, minority government. What's the story there? Oh, he resigned, unfortunately, due to ill health. So there's no like any, there's no actual political story there. It's just, there's no reshuffle going on. You know, so it, that, it strikes me that that sort of thing would have happened, whether or not we we're having a reshuffle he would have stepped down. Maybe yeah. he saw it as a, a good opportunity to do so and he waited till then. I don't know. There's not really any strength from Theresa May there. She's not sacking cabinet ministers. Yeah, it's not really to her credit that they're, I don't know, like taking his lungs out and replacing them with the lungs of a baboon. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> That's what I'm going Anyway, with. he's been replaced by Karen Bradley. Obviously, you've got to find someone to replace this ministerial role who has moved from the Department for Culture, Media and Sport um, and she's replaced there by Matt Hancock. So this is usually what happens when you sack a high-level cabinet minister. Someone lower down takes their place and someone lower down from that takes their place. And that's it. But that's not really any consequence there. There's not really strength from Theresa May there. She's not sacking rebels in her cabinet. No. The other the other thing that happened, obviously, there's a, there was a um, vacancy as first Secretary of State because Damien Green resigned, right? Rather, he was sacked or he was basically sacked, but... Uh, a resignation letter that was accepted by Theresa May yeah, yeah, yeah. after she requested it. Can't imagine he had a huge amount of choice in the matter. So uh, she was, he was replaced by uh, Lidlington, uh, David Lidlington, I think his name is, um, to the cabinet office. Although he's not technically first secretary of state, um, he is going to be um, 
filling in for Theresa May at PMQs, which is what the first Secretary of State does. Yeah. So he's basically... Essentially taking, like a punching dummy with her face stapled yeah. to Yeah, he was the Justice Secretary. So obviously that that's now vacant if he's being moved from that. He's replaced at the Ministry of Justice by David Gork, who was previously at the Department for Working Pensions. Who's replacing him there? Well, it was meant to be Justine Greening. She was apparently offered it. She's just as we started recording this, she stormed out um, and said, I'm not doing it. Um, I'm, I'm leaving. And she um, she's not doing it. And apparently there was lots of uh, funny talk about how it was obvious she was going apparently to all the press because uh, apparently Theresa May's face, you just had to see it every time Justin Greening was talking. But <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a good wasn't a good thing. So she's out and she's actually a, uh, a Remainer in a, um, a very Remainy constituency. She's got a high level remain supporting her constituency so she's looking she could looks like she could be another quote mutineer as we saw on the front page of the telegraph yeah. another rebel against uh eu withdrawal bills yeah so once again we're going to have like the mail calling for her lynching yeah that could happen but anyway that is um that is basically it that's yeah. literally it so the, the guy that resigned because of having pornography in his computer which we all knew about weeks ago he's been replaced which meant you know there's been a chain of chain reaction of other people yeah. being replaced and then the Northern Irish Secretary was ill and is, has resigned for health reasons. So they've replaced yeah. him. That's literally And also it. they've given the most hated person in British government more responsibility. Exactly. So, I mean, it's 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 stunning how this was built up to um, from Theresa May. Well, I guess she had to do it. But, you know, it was kind of like, you know, we're going to have a fresh... Well, I mean, even if there had been change, like, I'm sorry to disappoint, but in every position here, there would be a fucking Tory. Yeah. Like, that's that's how it goes there's the tory line and there is tory ideology and it will always be like just inherently punishing to the lower classes and it will be inherently punishing to the marginalized and it will inherently go after the interests of capital and like fundamentally it doesn't really matter who's there it, like it matters as a demonstration of the leader's like strength and ability to like shape the political landscape or lack thereof in this case but ultimately, they're all fucking Tories. They're all going to push the Tory line. And it's not like there was a good outcome here. They're all like this. We're going to finish off with something real quick. Like, take a minute or two just to laugh at this. Because oh, this yes. is going to make you laugh. It's a tweet from Theo Ashwood, who's the political editor of the LBC. He uh, tweeted this about Grant Shapps, who's also an ex-party chair of the Conservative Party. He said, Grant Shapps accuses momentum of, quote, stealing the model Conservatives built in engaging young volunteers to knock on doors and deliver leaflets. <laughs> <laughs> that, when I saw that, I was like, that's, that's, I that's don't, amazing. I, I don't know what's better there. The idea that the Conservatives came up with the idea of, like, canvassing, I, I think or the idea that the Conservatives may, were famous for their ability to engage young vote volunteers. What, what I, it's kind of bringing those two things together and reve revealing the hilarious reality that Grant Shapps thinks that engaging young voters is just saying... Knocking on doors and delivering leaflets? We'll get the kids to do that. Like, it's literally like, it seems like that, that's what I get from that tweet. Uh, accuses momentum <laughs> of, quote, stealing the model the Conservatives built in engaging young volunteers to knock on doors and deliver leaflets. Like, why just, like, why would that, only that appeal to young people? Surely everyone would do that. Like, they, they fucking love doing this. They love, they love asserting that momentum is just stealing their thunder. Like, there was a spectator column, no, a Conservative home column. Uh, a little while ago about how uh, Momentum are actually a capitalist success story and a success of the free market and it offers no justification for that. It's just this thing that they assert to be like, well, these, these Trotskyists and Maoists who we condemn roundly, 
They stole their entire thing from us. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. We are Off The Fence at soundcloud.com slash off the fence and at off the fence talk on Twitter. I've been James Fox. Alex Maskell is here. We'll be back again soon, I'm sure. Now it's the new year. We'll probably have pretty regular episodes going up. We'd like to hope we've been slipping recently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, if, if, any, if, if we go for more than a week and any of you see us in public, uh, you have the right to slap us and say, go to record an episode. Yes. More than a week. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Cool. Have a good week, everyone. <laughs>